Welcome to Vitals, where we explore the most pressing topics in healthcare and data. Today, we're getting a pulse on why transitional care management is foundational to quality patient care and how your team can succeed at TCM even with limited access to analytical resources. We're going to be taking a closer look at how Amita Healthcare Network, a top-rated CIN in Illinois, empowers their population health teams to better serve patients and improve health outcomes through TCM. Joining us are Andrea Perdue, Director of Enterprise Solutions at Arcadia, Michelle Winares, System Director of Quality and Patient Safety for Population Health at Amita Healthcare Network, and Jake Hoshberg, Executive Director of Customer Insights at Arcadia. All right. Let's get this conversation started. Andrea, over to you. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, everybody that's joining us. We're really excited to have you. As Mike mentioned, today we're going to cover a really important topic, um, transitional care management. I would like to echo uh, Mike's comments, you guys. Let us know in the poll, in the chat, what we can lean in on. Um, we've got some really um, smart industry experts here today that we want to make sure that we dial into the right part of the topic for you all. Before I dive into questions, I'm just going to level set us all a little bit about our partnership um, between Arcadia and Amita Healthcare Network. Jake, Michelle, and I get to work together on a very consistent basis, um, and so it brings me great joy and um, excitement to be doing this with the, the two of you. Okay. Earlier this year, Amita came to Arcadia because they needed to improve transitional care outcomes for their populations. They wanted to free up their technical resources and empower their clinical operations team. To do this, Amita needed access to disparate ADT data together all in one view. Arcadia's dashboards would allow them to do that, and it allowed them, Amita, to identify discharge patients, to track performance, and optimize results. Michelle, just quickly, would you be willing to tell us um, a little bit about yourself and your and then the, why you're so passionate about population health. Sure, of course. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Michelle Winiars. I am a physician assistant by license. Um, I practiced in primary care for about 18 years before I transitioned into a role in quality. And um, I've been with the Amita Healthcare Network for a little over five years now. Um, and I'd say I'm passionate about population health because I really believe, truly believe, that every patient, every person um, should have access to high quality, patient-focused care. Um, and you know, that extends far beyond the typical quality process and outcome measures. Um, for me, it's the initiatives like transitional care management um, that are the cornerstone of what population health means um, and what it's all about. You know, being able to use data to assess the risks and needs of a population and then create initiatives around that to improve the delivery of care that we offer them and support the patients as they move through the healthcare continuum is really exciting to me. Um, and, you know, I think that's what motivates me most. Thank you so much. Jake, if you're still with me, same question for you. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself and um, what, what's so passionate for you about population health? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I am still here. I stuck around. Um, so for me, I, I really, you know, kind of started, I'm a, I'm a data analyst at heart. So for me, what's great about population health is the amount of data, but really the interest in the subject matter. 
So the ability to look at data and analyze data, but have the outcomes impact real world patients and help them you know, try and find the right patients for the right care management programs or try and identify the right uh, provider partners to, to take an initiative and, and drive better outcomes for patients is a really interesting opportunity that uh, data analysts and other industries don't usually get. So for me, that's what I really love about population health and value-based care. Thank you. Michelle, I think we could start where, um, you know, Amita Health Network has about 1,600 um, top-rated primary and specialty care docs, right? And they're all dedicated to improve um, the health of the populations. Anybody that we know that they um, get to um, see, touch, help um, is, is very important to them. Generally, just about transitional care management. Um, why is that so important to the, the population that the Amita, um, the Amita Health Network um, takes care of? Um, we, you know, our CIN covers um, over 400,000 lives in a very large geographical area um, spreading across over 10 different hospital systems. And so TCM really has been instrumental in, um, you know, helping patients navigate through our health system efficiently. Um, and, you know, it has also been very important to improve our in-network utilization and also reduce our, our readmissions. Well, thank you. I actually hadn't thought about the in-network piece, but that makes complete sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jake, maybe not so much from a, um, an Amita standpoint, but maybe from an industry standpoint, you know, when we think about transitional care management, um, what do you think is so important about that from a, like this population standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, typically for a patient's journey, the time you're going to have the most medical spend is either during an inpatient admission or in the window after an inpatient admission. So there's a lot of opportunities for cost reduction and outcome improvement in that small window after a patient's discharge. So for transitional care management, uh, there's two things that are really, I think, important. One is identifying the right patients for managing that transition, identifying the right provider partners so you can drive engagement through, through that group, making sure that you can get your PCP engaged. Uh, and when I think about that, a lot of it is, you know, helping PCPs understand why is it important what outcomes does it drive? And also what value can it bring back to you as a PCP? Because providers do get incentivized to do transitional care management visits. They get to bill at a higher rate, but more importantly, they build a better engagement with their patients. Their patients come back more often is what our data shows. So if you're seeing your patients after that transition, not only are you helping keep them out of the hospital, you're building a better relationship with your patient population. Uh, later on in the, um the review questions that we'll talk about, Jake. I want to talk a little bit more about whole person care, and I think that you've really started that um, point of context there for I think all of us. So I will I'll get more into that here in a minute, but that's exactly the right way to be thinking about that. You stole a little bit of my thunder too. I was going to say the first thirty days of um, patient discharge is critical, so it's perfect mm -hmm. segue there. Um, there's a study from PubMed that can reduce um, that the ability to reduce, to get to a patient um, from a TCM perspective um, improves our chances by 86% um, to be able to touch them and to be able to get to them and, and work through um, um, those um, critical moments. Michelle, from an AMIDA standpoint, how, um, how, are you, how are you all approaching the transitional care management? 
Um, it's kind of multifaceted. We, you know, we started with our employee medical group just because it was easier to do that and, and, and get some processes in place. So for our employee group, you know, we have the luxury of having access to um, discharge reports. And then we also have access to the care management tool, patient ping that, um, you know, alerts us to any discharges that have occurred outside of our health system. Um, and so what we do is we, we take those reports every day and we kind of go through and, um, you know, highlight the patients that would be good candidates for a TCM visit. And we send those reports to our call center and to all the managers of our medical group um, every day. So that's somebody's job every day. First thing they do is they log in and get all these ADT reports, you know, collected, gathered and um, send, send them out. Um, and you know, what we're able to do then is eff efficiently get that outreach to the patient within, you know, 48 hours. Um, our call center, if they're not able to get in touch with the patient after two attempts, they will then um, alert the manager so that the manager or someone at that practice can continue to try to outreach for the outreach to the patient to, to get them in for that TCM visit. Um, and, you know, like Jake said earlier, you know, just getting the patients in to see their PCP within seven or 14 days of that discharge really has been instrumental in um, keeping patients aligned with their PCP. Um, like I said earlier, that, that in, in network utilization and, you know, really patient satisfaction too, we're seeing those scores go up as well. Um, now, you know, it's not as easy with our independent providers. We do have a very large network of independent providers and we really have struggled with how do we get the data in their hands efficiently um, so that they know that their patients have been discharged and can start that outreach um, you know, to, to get the patients scheduled for those visits. Um, and you know, I think we, we do very well in the patients that um, receive TCM visits right away after we implemented the workflow, we were able to see a reduction in the readmissions in those patients who had a TCM visit. But um, as a health system, we've really struggled with increasing the overall percentage of TCM visits that are completed. So that's really, you know, one of the things, you know, when I came to you guys, that's really what we wanted to do is, you know, be able to d dive deeper into the data to figure out why our you know, who's not doing TCM visits and why, and um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. Do you, um, prior to um, partnering with the Arcadia team from the VISTA dashboard perspective, had you had any um, luck with the, um, the independent providers and like a workflow or best practice there that seemed to get that data or information over to them more, um, more seamlessly for the lack of a better say, way to say that, because I know it's not always as easy, um, but, um, it interests me. I know a lot of us have independent providers that we work with, right? And I think there's always a question at hand at how we do that better together because we want to make sure we're partnering appropriately. You know, we want to get that information over to them. Right. Yeah. No, we, you know, we don't really have a great process even to today. You know, we, like I said, we do have that patient ping um, or Banville Health yeah. Report that is available in the Arcadia Population Health Tool, but we have not rolled that out across the board to um, all of the. Um, independent providers. There are a few practices that do have access to that tool, but um, it's few and far between just because of the logistical legwork to get these independent providers provisioned to have access to the, to the tool. Um, it, you know, it has been, it's proven to be a little bit um, labor intensive. So, um, you know, the other method would be to send secure email or set up some sort of drive or folder that mm -hmm. the independent providers can access. But, 
you know, our health system has had so much change and flux and, you know, we've lost a lot of IT resources and, you know, there's just a lot going on from an IT perspective. And so I think, you know, that's really where we struggle most is we just don't have that IT infrastructure that I think we need to be able to really efficiently and effectively um, share data safely with our independent providers. No, I um, I have actually um, a comment here in just a minute about like technical resources and that data-driven quality that we um, all like kind of um, want to like make as our, our primary goal. Um, but before I jump into that piece, um, my, one other thought I and question I had for you was um, like taking Amita aside, what about the market perspective? Like what are your, what do you see the barriers in like the, the healthcare industry or the different market on even the Chicago, uh, you know, Ohio, Illinois um, markets from a um, transitional care management. Well, I can, I, you know, I can share what I'm hearing from providers firsthand. You know, um, for those providers that aren't doing or utilizing TCM visits to their advantage, you know, I hear the same two things: staffing resources, um, and now also starting to hear that they just don't have the time. So, you know, here in our market, we've had a reduction in our PCP footprint, you know, post pandemic. And a lot of offices have lost, you know, a PCP or two and they haven't been able to replace them. So schedules are loaded. Um, people aren't good about kind of forward thinking and holding some slots for these urgent appointments that need to get in within a certain time frame. Um, so that I think that's one barrier. And then um, the second is just having the staff um, and resources to be able to do the outreach within 48 hours after a discharge um, and engage with those patients and really keep them, um, you know, engaged for that 30 days post discharge to make sure that you're filling, fulfilling all the needs that that patient has. Thank you. I um, do you think because the providers are having there's such a low there's such a um, bandwidth um, occurrence for the providers that other areas. Uh, of organizations or the market, and I'm thinking like the care management team or your team, the quality team, are kind of um, filling in some of those um, gaps, or do you think that that is, uh, that is just something that is going to continue to um, be a challenge until providers are really more readily available in the, in the market? Yeah, I think it's going to continue to be a gap. You know, I, I mean, we can provide them the data. We can give them a list of patients, yeah. you know, make sure that the data information gets to them timely so they know who was admitted, who was discharged. Um, but really from there, you know, it's up to that independent practice to be able to get them scheduled, get them engaged. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where we kind of fall short of being able to help those providers. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, before I move on to just more of the VISTA dashboard, Jake, I'd love to hear your thoughts there. Um, similar from like a um, uh, traditional care management and a market barrier from just more of a healthcare industry Arcadia perspective, maybe not so focused on Amita. Sure. So I think you know, the problems that I hear customers talk about across the industry that actually I used to experience when I was at an ACO are, are pretty similar. And it's uh, a lot of what Michelle just described. It's you know, it's challenges around finding the time for providers to schedule the appointments, having the right resources to do the outreach on time. Uh, and then, you know, one way to think about it is, is exactly what Michelle said, the kind of forward thinking of, if I save these time slots for the patients in need, you know, will that, will that work over time for practices? Because also, you know, post-pandemic, the, the, um, there's fewer PCPs, but also still that squeeze in terms of generating enough revenue. So I think those are the main challenges 
some successful things I've seen people put in place is trying to build out centralized teams to manage that outreach in the first two days. But there's still the IT challenges of, with all these independent practices, most of them are on separate um, separate appointment scheduling systems. So that's really a challenging hurdle. It is building that IT telemetry so that you can centralize the outreach, centralize the appointment scheduling for providers. Thank you. Mike, before I dive into more of um, VISTA dashboard focus, is there any questions that we want to um, raise up here for Michelle and Jake, or are we okay to just keep moving? No, let's keep moving along. We're going to save audience questions for the last 15 okay. minutes or so. All right. There I see some good questions great... coming through. Yeah. 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 A lot of great ones coming in, so I'm excited to get to those. But yeah, we can keep talking about the VISTA dashboards and all that good stuff for now. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, all right, let's dive into, um, really let's dive into data-driven, like um, technical um, resource approach and how how we manage that from an um, industry standpoint, an Arcadia standpoint, and obviously an Amita Health Network standpoint. Um, you know, in healthcare, you have to, um, you have, to have a uh, strategic approach to how we do data-driven values. And um, Michelle, I think, I think that, Start of the question here is like, how does Amita um, think about um, the data-driven and technical resources in a whole person care pursuit, right? Maybe not just from a transitional care management. You guys have really focused and done a great job already just um, baselining here that like, there is definitely some support from a whole person um, perspective, but I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that from like data, technical resources and how we, how you work through that. Well, you know, I think for me, and part of it is my bias being in primary care for so long, you know, I, right. I struggle to put so much on the primary care provider all the time. It's like all these initiatives, you know, really focus around the primary care provider. So I try to really um, look at the data and use technology to try to pull in other, you know, other areas or other key players so that we can kind of offload some of the um, burden on those PCP providers. Um, and so, you know, for me, when I wanted to get, dig down the data, when I wanted to try to improve our TCM um, percentage rate, you know, I really needed to be able to drill down into the data. Um, what I was being provided prior was just, you know, a rate, um, which wasn't really helpful, um, other than to prove that, you know, patients who had a TCM had a lower readmission rate, which we knew already. So, um, you know, being able to take data from multiple sources and put it all together without having to know SQL and, you know, bog down my analytics team um, and that sort of thing, um, and then be able to analyze it and really drill down and deep dive, um, you know, has been instrumental in trying to focus on the areas where we could really gain, you know, the most out of um, performing any type of process improvement plan. Yeah. Well, when you think about um, how you, uh, how we like um, moved through this TCM dashboard together and apologies for those on, um, on the webinar, transitional care management flows a little bit better with TCM with questions sometimes, one and the same. Um, what are some of those best practices for like monitoring and measuring um, and like results that you were looking for and like you've been able to build into um, that workflow, especially from a, like when you go into that Vista dashboard now, you're able to see these things like you're, you're talking about, right? And pull, pull this apart a little bit more. 
Right. So, you know, initially I thought I just wanted to be able to target the providers who weren't doing TCMs, right? Um, but that was just, you know, the, the icing on the top. Um, you know, as you di dive down deeper, I'm able to see not only, you know, provider level data, practice level data, obviously, um, but now facility data. Um, I can see what DRG the patient was admitted under. So I can see, you know, our what, what are the trends um, by service line? Um, we could we can compare rates about you know from different hospitals. So patients being discharged from one hospital, why do they have such a lower rate for TCM visits than another? So you know, do we need to engage the care management team from the hospitals, or are there other people at the hospitals that we need to engage with? Um, so those are the things that you know. That's the type of data that I've really been able to dive further into that has really helped you know, promote some conversations and collaborations with some of the other key, payer, key players in, in, the, in the health system. Jake, I'm going to, um, I'm going to um, pose the same question for you about the, um, like, when we were building the um, TCM dashboard, I know that you had this um, as a, like, in the background, wanted to work on it prior to Michelle coming to us, and it was just like a really good timing that um, Amita um, was looking for a partner in, in doing some more of the strategic planning. But when you think about transitional care management in the VISTA dashboards that we created, um, and to Michelle's point, were those some of the pieces that you were trying to make sure that um, partners were able to see, whether you saw that there's needs and gaps? Like, Can you um, walk us through a little bit about what your um, strategic approach was and what you were thinking as you um, started to create this, um, the, this dashboard and, and um, reporting? Yeah, that, so <clears throat> whenever we approach a VISTA dashboard, which is our, our BI application where we can build out dashboards for our customers, whenever my team approaches building a dashboard, step one is, you know, what's the story and business case we're trying to drive? What's the story we're trying to tell? And then once we've told that story, we like to work with customers to understand, is this story useful? Also, when you look at this, what, what stories are you trying to tell? So we can understand that. So when we approach the dashboard, our initial thoughts were, one, let's get the rate by PCP. We can identify if there are providers who are doing more or less transitional care management visits to an extent that allows a customer to do one of two things. They can choose to incentivize providers based on TCMs, and we now democratize the data so they can do that. Uh, or two, it gives them a chance to start to talk to their providers and understand you know, who's who's not doing TCM and, and what are the drivers there so they can think about you know, how that fits into their workflows and programs. When we were thinking about the facility level, our approach was really thinking about, you know, if you're going to do a transitional care management visit, you need to outreach to the patient within 48 hours of discharge. If we're looking at facilities, we can identify, hey, are there gaps in the way data is flowing through an HIE that are, that are basically giving you blind spots at the facility level? And then secondarily, or lastly, with facility plus service category, you can think about specialist engagement. Um, mm -hmm. When I was at Stewart Healthcare Network, we were in the bundle payment program, we actually worked with our orthopedic surgeons to have them partner with PCPs prior to doing surgeries so that that transitional care management visit was already set up. So before the patient even enters the hospital, they're actually already booked with their provider and they're going to be seen after discharge. So we were trying to kind of fill those gaps and, and basically shine a light on those different use cases. Because uh, if you can't measure it, it's hard to drive it. It's hard to necessarily know, like Michelle said, when you just have a rate, it's hard to know why you have that rate and what levers you might want to pull on. Mm -hmm. oh, while you two are on, and Jake, I'll let you um, respond to this. Um, 
while you guys were like, as we worked through the creation of the dashboard and um, to your point, both of you knowing from a market perspective and then um, Michelle, your very specific key insight to Amita, were there any moments where you had a like, oh, this is going to be an addition that's going to be super valuable here? And um, were you able to build that into the um, into the dashboard or like think about that as an enhancement for the future? Yeah, you know, when, when I talked to Jake originally, I had already been rounding with some of the providers and, you know, we had, we had been teaching about TCM services on our quality calls and, you know, it's, um, but to, I, I didn't have any data to share with the provider. Um, so after talking to Jake and him showing me the demo and, and, you know, being able to have a bar graph showing the, you know, the provider, their specific patient level data and, you know, how it could affect readmission rates and then cost that was eye-opening. And so, um, you know, I was really excited to get access for that reason alone. And that really has been some of the, the cornerstone to my education when I do round with physicians trying to get them to oh, yeah. utilize these services more, um, is really just showing them their their individual data. And um, it's been so useful. I mean, you know, so many, you know, physicians are visual, right? So um, to be able to show them a bar graph, it, it just sinks in and see that flow from no TCM to a readmission to the, to, to the additional cost. And so important in our ACO um, utilization and also um, with our Medicare Advantage lives. I have a follow-up question for that, but I'll hold it for a second. Oh, please go ahead, Jake. Uh, I was just going to say, from the Arcadia side, the Amita team was instrumental in making the dashboard usable and user-friendly at the end. I think at a high level, we knew the use cases we wanted to hit, but across the dashboard, everything is cleaner and more geared towards actual use cases. And, and one thing that Michelle's team really helped us understand was how they wanted to use this to work with providers, making sure that we made it really user-friendly so they could go to providers with this data, making sure we had all the patient-level detail in there as well because we want to make sure that there's trust in the dashboard and saying, hey, here's the here's the data, but you need to go into a backend database and use SQL to get that. The detail was, was not helpful. So it really helped us make sure we built all the right pieces into that dashboard. Yeah, it, um, I find it extremely exciting to know the folks that helped um, build this dashboard out when we're talking with other partners um, and hearing about how, like having one of the experts in the field, which is you, Michelle, obviously, and knowing how um, providers are going to um, receive feedback and, and think through that is just, it, 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 it takes probably four iterations away of getting there to that point. You know what I mean? So um, mm -hmm. that was, that, that is, um, I have so many more questions and I'll just leave them for this moment because I will probably, they're probably in the questions too, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, Either one of you, but let's, Michelle, um, are there any other um, programmatic standpoints that you think about um, when you're running these complex programs um, for organizations like Amita um, and how, uh, like for folks here in the webinar or any, anybody that you meet, how you'd like to, um, how you'd like to like think about how you work through that and um, manage that as you do your day-to-day? -day? Um, you know, I think, there's always going to be some unforeseen, you know, obstacles or barriers. Um, but I think, you know, being able to really understand and, you know, um, dive into the data um, is is essential to to being able to just kind of move past the barriers or 
pivot, you know, make changes in the workflow um, or the processes to, you know, make them more successful. There's a situation just recently where um, I was noticing um, I was I started paying attention to the disposition um, at discharge. So for patients going home, um, discharge home, those receiving home health services versus those who didn't. And what what is the you know TCM mm-hmm. rate in those patients um, comparatively and you know the, the subsequent readmissions. And I noticed that in one of our regions with our ACL lives, um, there were patients who received home health services actually had a higher readmission rate, lower TCM um, visit rate with their PCPs. And so I was like, oh, what's going on there? So I was, you know, which was really surprising because when you think of home health, you know, you, they have to engage with the patients within 48 hours, similar to a TCM visit. Um, and, you know, it they do that complete medication reconciliation post-discharge as part of the, um, you know, home health assessment. So I couldn't really understand why patients receiving home health would have higher readmission rate compared to those that didn't. And then when I was able to drill down, I was able to realize that um, it was one home health agency and I really think it was their practices. They were taking advantage of the um, the COVID-19 um, waiver um, where uh, home health agencies didn't have to do that initial visit in person. It could be virtual. And so um, it turns out that this agency was doing many, 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 many more virtual visits compared to the other agencies. And so I was able to just kind of take that data right to the providers right away and say, hey, look, you know, this is what's happening. And, you know, they were able to pivot and, you know, redirect their home health um, referrals and, you know, have some discussions with that agency because they had a long-term relationship with that agency. And, you know, it really was able to quickly allow them to kind of drive change. And so, you know, that was really a really great use case of something that I never even thought I would find that kind of data, but being able to act on it effectively, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that speaks volumes to how, how valuable something like this, you know, is for a population health team. No, that's an incredible story. I, I mean, and my other question actually for you as you were talking about that is, were there any unforeseen obstacles? But I think you kind of covered that, right? And you're able to identify, mitigate, and um, improve outcomes, right, immediately as you're able to, like, mm-hmm. dig into that data, um, which really kind of goes back to that data-driven accuracy and that, and that whole person care. Um, this is somewhat fascinating to think about um, uh, and, and grateful that the home health teams are there, right, to be able to do that, um, to do that patient care for, the, for these these people that are, are just coming back and integrating into their home. Yeah. Jake, from an industry and or Arcadia standpoint, um, do you have any thoughts on like the complex, the complexities of large organizations? I know you mentioned Stewart earlier, that might be a, a piece there, but you, you work so closely with all of our different partners and um, like from a programmatic standpoint and their, um, the running of the complex programs and how, how that works well for maybe even an industry standard or um, just from like a Vista Arcadia standard? Yeah, I think um, a few things that I, that I see that I think are, are hard but helpful and, and, and work. So one issue is funding in general. So in general, if you're gonna run a program in the value-based care space, the one thing that most people typically wanna understand is what, what are my returns as well? How do I fund this program? So something that I'm, I'm hopeful we've been able to help our customers with is understanding the value of these programs. So that if you are running a transitional care management program, we have some out-the-box analytics around the expected 
returns on that in terms of reduced readmissions and extra patient engagement. Uh, if you're using our Arcadia product, we also have our own outcomes dashboard on specifically your patient. Past that though, I think um, one thing that Michelle hit on is really opening up the data to the right users is really important. Yeah. So what Michelle described with that home health agency, that's not something that if you go to your analyst team, they're usually gonna be able to identify through a SQL query. That's just, there's a level of industry knowledge needed. There's a level of knowledge about home health needed. And there's an element of you know seeing data, seeing a trend and having the right person be enabled and empowered to chase it down. So I'll just kind of speak to, I think the importance outside of even just TCM, really unlocking and democratizing your data across your company is can go a really long way in terms of empowering the right people to identify those issues and, and drive to a real resolution. Oh, that's great. That's a great call out. Um, yeah, and, you, know, and, you know, you and I kind of talk about this on the side a lot, how we can, you know, get lost in the data sometimes. And so, yes. you know, I, I didn't have to ask anybody for anything. I, it was all right there in front of me, you know, and so I did. I got lost in the data um, without having to bog down my analytics team or anybody else. Right. So it was, you know, it was great. What I really like about that, Michelle, that value add there, and I say this about this all the time, I think I've been telling you that since I met you, right, is, um, you don't have to be a SQL expert. You don't have to jump into Foundry. You can go into Vesta, drill into that data, like you and I have the expertise to do um, from a, um, like out of the database into a reporting factor and find those outcomes. But, but to Jake's point about um, an analytics team may not have found that. They may not have caught that, right? And so also having the right teams looking at the right data um, just improves that, that those outcomes, but I, it takes me back to that whole person care, right? That is like that. That is the epitome of that. Um, that that ability. So, uh, all right. I think I'm going to combine the last couple questions because I think we've kind of like hit on a majority of these. So, you know, we we. Um, what I'd love to to ask you both is, um, you know, for teams that are here on the phone, for anybody that'll watch this recording later, and um, anybody that um, you chat with over the next coming months, like. Um, how can we tackle what what is the right first step, the right steps in general to take to tackle the um, approach to transitional care management? Um, and like, is that starting with like a data driven um, um, uh, question and or analysis? Um, and Michelle, I'll let you tackle that one first and then I'll move over to Jake. But what are your thoughts there? Like how can others do this successfully and from your from your standpoint? Yeah, I think, you know, the key is having, you know, access to the discharge data, right? To be able to every day know who was discharged from a facility, whether it was in network or network, out of network the day before um, is critical because you've only got you know, 48 hours to get that outreach initiated to the patient. Um, and so, um, you know, the, first and foremost, you need that data. Without that data, you can't really succeed. Yeah, so hey, think, how about you? Um, yeah, I think, and, and I'm actually going to, I'm going to jump the gun because I looked at the chat and I saw a question, but I think that's There's nice some great, great think, questions in the chat, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think, you know, when you're trying to get set up and start trying these programs, there's really question one. Do you have the right data to even run this program? If you can't identify patients within 48 hours of discharge, you, you can't run a TCM program, uh, or you, you can't successfully scale a TCM program. Maybe it's a different way to put it. 
but there's also a question in the chat that I really like, which is, um, you know, how do you decide if it's right for you to even start the program? How do you fund it? You can't prove the outcome yet. I think that's that's where having the right data to see, you know, no matter what, you're going to have some number of providers that have done transitional care management visits. And you can use that data to determine, hey, if we were to increase this, what type of outcomes can we expect? Can we fund the program with the estimate of, if I can drive this number by 5%, will it, will it drive enough value? So I think there's step one, having the right data to identify the right patients, and then step two, of having the right expertise to quantify and project what could happen so you can secure enough funding to start your program. And then from there, you can analyze it and, and carry it through and impact patients uh, appropriately. That's a great call out. Um... I don't think I would have um, immediately thought about the data from like why a why, but you're right. If you look at that data, you can you can start seeing those outcomes immediately because it's already there. So mm, great call out, Michelle. Any other thoughts? I don't want to interrupt you. You know, yeah, I think you know the one thing I forgot to mention. You know th that that outreach to the patient has to be in documented in the outpatient record. So you know, most health systems they have navigators or those types of people who are also mm -hmm. doing you know transition of care calls to the patients. And those don't really count unless you're able to um, integrate them into your EHR somehow. Um, and so, you know, I think that's another really important barrier is, you know, to to get on board with the, um, you know, the the discharge planners at the hospitals and um, care management team, both inpatient and ambulatory, so that you know we're not duplicating services to the point where we're causing patient dissatisfaction, right, and, and mm -hmm. a decrease in patient engagement. Um, but, you know, working with those teams to say, okay, what matters most and who should be doing that outreach? Um, because, you know, we found that, you know, there was a lot of touch points just because, oh, we should do it, not really taking it that next that next step further as to, okay, what are we going to do with that outreach? So, um, you know, we did have to do some of that internal mm -hmm. kind of cleanup um, to make the program successful. Was that on? Was that just as a holistic part of the strategic um, revamp that you wanted to do for the transitional care management, or did that come with some of the data that was pulled out of the um, the reporting, where you could see that, um, oh, I know care management team talked to them here, but I also know that a navigator talked to them here, and then the PCP is talking to them here. Like, was that more of an internal or like a a reporting outcome? Yeah, no, it was it was more of an internal patients complaining, like I got four calls from you know four calls after I was discharged. You know, and then kind of looking, like oh okay, that's yeah okay. So you know, for the medical group, like I said, we did start our transitional care management um, program or workflow with them, and so we you know we put systems in place saying okay, if yeah. medical patient, if you know the PCP is a medical group. Um, PCP, let us make the call, and you know, but you know that took some some. Um, coordination and some collaboration and, um, you know, everyone had to be on the same page. Yeah. Well, and like any good process, right. It always has to like mm -hmm. be refreshed and looked at and reviewed. So, um, I, it makes total sense what you guys are saying. And, um, that group that you have over there is they're great partners, right? So your medical group is the right people yeah. to do that with. Yeah. All right, Mike, I think we might be ready for some questions if we didn't hit them all. Oh, I think you're on mute. Which, which I warned you all not to do. So, I was, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I I might ask one that was kind of covered, but it's always good sure. to go in a little bit deeper. Um, the first question. This is a really good one to start with. How does Amita hope to grow the program going forward, and what are some of the KPIs or goals that you're looking for 
through 2023 and beyond. Yep. So I would really like to grow it with our independent practices more. Um, you know, we did actually pilot something with our care management team where the care management team was providing that um, outreach to the patients within 48, 48 hours and they would send that documentation to the providers um, because we thought that was the limiting um, component of why providers weren't utilizing these services. Um, and it kind of that pilot kind of crashed and burned, unfortunately. Um, there just wasn't a lot of engagement. And I don't know if you know we we tried to implement that too soon after COVID. Um, in our market, a, a lot of our independent providers, like I said earlier, are still struggling um, post pandemic. So um, you know that is really where I would like to be able to focus moving forward. And really, the KPI that we should be able to see is you know a re reduction in cost for those independent providers. Um, a lot of them are really um, not earning. Um, you know, maximum shared savings because of their cost, um, you know, their, their cost in, in, um, impact. And then also, um, you know, just re reducing those readmissions overall, um, because we do see a higher readmission rate um, among patients who see an independent primary care provider as opposed to um, our medical group doctors. Fantastic. Uh, this next question is from actually a vitals uh, alum. He was on an episode a month or two ago, Tim Carey over at Beth Israel Leahy. And he's he's saying, you know, we there are some practices doing TCM and for those that aren't doing it, um, it's usually because those practices don't have the staffing to make the follow-up call to start mm -hmm. TCM. Um, are you tracking data to look at the right patients uh, getting either TCM or at least to get a follow-up appointment within that 14 days from a hospital discharge? Uh, Michelle, I want to get your perspective, but I think maybe Andrea and Jake have some ideas on um, how you can automate some of those processes too, or at least supplement what PCPs are doing. So Michelle, I'll let you respond and then I'll hand it over to them. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, you know, we did, we we do take on the medical group side, we take that list and we do, we do prioritize that. So I think it's important because really to be able to build the, those TCM services, you need moderate, at least a moderate level of decision making. And so not every hospital discharge um, is going to result in a follow up visit that that entails moderate decision making. So really taking the discharges and not just going down that discharge list and trying to do every patient, but really trying to take that data and use it in a meaningful way. Um, and that's something that for so long was a manual process. And then finally, um, we got someone to write us a little script um, that would, you know, just go down the Excel file and pull out those those key discharge diagnoses that would, you know, elevate those patients to the top of the call list. Um, so I think that's one one thing that you can use data and you know analytics for to try to help um, really streamline that outreach because you're right I mean a lot of practices do struggle with having the staffing and the resources. Andrea, Jake, do either one one of you have anything to add? I think from my end, I have like two or three thoughts that come to mind really quickly. Um, one is exactly what Michelle just said optimize so if they if the practice doesn't have the staff to do outreach to every patient can you try and optimize their outreach so that they can outreach to the few patients that that really need those services uh, the next thing i would think about is you know what's really great about value-based care in general is it creates a mechanism for funding programs it creates an incentive to fund that fte so something to think about is you know, can you build into your physician compensation models something that drives TCM so you can actually 
it'll give those provider practices a, a funding mechanism to think about bringing in some level of staff to do that outreach. We actually had an audience member um, share their thoughts about this too. They actually have a transitional care department that receives referrals and nurses make the 48 hour call um, and then the MPs complete the home visits. So that's, that's a really good thought to add to this discussion as well. Um, and I guess I, you know, I would just ask a follow-up question to that comment because that's that's great if you can get something like that. But then, are they on a one unified EHR across their health system, or do they have multiple? And how, if if it, if multiple, how how do they get that data in the in the right chart? So okay. going back, going way back to the um, kind of beginning of the discussion where you were talking about uh, aggregating all the data. One, is all that data aggregated through Arcadia? And then two, um, are you tracking uh, TCM by claims, by clinical EHR? Are you using both? Um, there's kind of a, a well-known fact that claims data can be lagged and somewhat hard to use. So um, can you just talk a little bit more about that, about where the data comes from and, and how it's pulled together and then how you make decisions based on it? Yep, so we don't use Arcadia to aggregate the ADT discharge list. Um, we pull that, like I said, we get that from the hospitals and then we also then pull the patient pain report from um, Arcadia and we manually kind of merge those. Um, and then we do use claims data, we're not using EHR data. So there is a lag and um, by nature, the TCM dashboard is kind of like a, um, you know, a 15 month look back um, just to allow for that claims lag. And, and so, you know, it's, you're not able to share, you know, up to date, you know, yesterday type data with providers, but you're able to share enough that you, they see the trend and the trends are real. And, um, you know, when they see that patient level data and they know they can trust it, um, it, you know, it has helped even though the data is a little bit dated, but, you know, it's within, you know, it's, it's, it's within the year. So it's not like it's three years outdated. I'll jump in from the Arcadia side too on just a, a few thoughts there as well. So from the claim side, one part of what our product does is it does make claims easier to use. So yes, raw claims are very hard to use, but once they run through our engine, a little bit easier to use. Um, there, there was a question about kind of using EHR data to supplement the claims data. Might be there, I've actually helped customers do that, but it really depends on the setup of your network. If you have really high EHR integration and really good retention, connecting EHRs to HIEs can be a really good way to track TCM. On the other hand, if you have a lot of practices that are not connected to our system, or you have a lot of patients who go out of network but are in your, your value-based arrangements, you start to get a lot of false negatives where you don't see the TCM visit, but it still happened. So you start to build um, trends that are not the right trends to track. So my view on that is you can use EHR data in our system to get an early indicator but it really depends on your network setup, whether or not you want to trust that data. And Jake, to kind of take that a step further, there's another question in here about if you don't have access to this claims data, um, you know, are there shadow measures or surrogate analysis that you can use to um, make those TCM decisions? Um, I would say you, theoretically, you could look at your transitional care management visits per business day, per month, a metric like that through the EHR and see if they're increasing or decreasing. 
uh, as a percent of patients who are seen who are over 65. Uh, and you can also do comparisons across practices of that metric. That's a, I, that's a, that's a definitely a shadow metric. I wouldn't necessarily um, say that you could build, you know, a, a valid tracking program for transitional care management for, and, you know, provider incentives off of something like that. Um, back to that idea of um, having nurses complete the 48 hour calls. Is there a way to effectively submit that information to PCP offices or kind of add that data into the workflow um, or at least surface it somewhere that it can be used for decisions? Yes, yeah, so like you know, there's not in the same network. I believe so. I think that's what the question is referring to. Sorry, Michelle, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, we tried that with with our care management team and, you know, and it was a little bit labor intensive. So because, like I said, we have so many different EHRs. Um, so our and our care management team actually documents in the Arcadia Population Health Tool. Um, and so what they did is they just took a summary and they were they were faxing it directly to um, primary care offices so that they could implement, you know, scan it into their EHR, you know, depending on which EHR they had. Um, you know, that was the thought. And I would I would imagine that's probably the only way to get it in most of the time if you don't have, you know, integration or connectors to every EHR um, in the health system. Um, I think we have a time for maybe two more questions. This next one is, what do trends from a year back, looking at those trends that happened a year ago or some time ago, how does that help providers um, from an actionable standpoint today? Jake, this is this might be a question for you. Yeah, I can I can start there. You know, when I think about trends in transitional care management, I'm probably not looking to give that to a PCP. That's more information for the centralized teams that are running the transitional care management programs. It's more about monitoring. If my trends are going up, I can look at what we've done in the last year and see, okay, what's been successful. On the other hand, if my trends are suddenly going down, I'm gonna to wanna to ask the question, why? So that's one thing that I'd say is, you know, when you're doing claims-based retrospectives in these types of dashboards, it's really, what are the nuggets to pull out to talk to providers about? More so than, you know, putting a large volume of, of trend-based graphics in front of a provider. Great. And then I'll end it with this. This is a good question. Um, and this is a hot topic coming up because these programs are starting to be implemented by health systems. As a transitional care department, how can we effectively serve patients being discharged from SNFs? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Michelle, you, you've got a big smile. It looks like you have some <laughs> opinions around that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so you know, I, we have a luxury, our ACO, they do follow our patients um, through the SNFs. And, you know, we see a big disparity between, you know, how that population transitions from the SNF home versus other populations in our, you know, our commercial population. Um, and so I think, you know, we do have the luxury, like I said, of having patient pain. So we are able to see when our patients are discharged from a SNF. And so we're able to kind of get them in and get them re-engaged with the, with the primary care provider. Um, 
um, at least on the medical group side. And so, you know, that's another thing that I would love to be able to really reinforce for our independence as well. Even if anything, just sharing that, um, you know, that discharge from the SNF data with them so that they could say, hey, you know, we can let them know, hey, your patient is home, get them back in the office, re-engage with them, even if they're not billing the, the, the actual TCM visit. Anyone else? Andrea, Jake, do you have any thoughts around that? From the data side, I think we can shine a light on it. So you know, our dashboard will show you, you know, what percent of patients are getting TCM when they leave the SNF. You can look at that by SNF to see if there are specific gaps somewhere. Um, but I think Michelle's answer really covered it from the real patient action side of it. Great. So I'm going to ask one more question, and I want your 10-second answers. And just so you know, we're going to take a look at the questions that were, were asked. We're going to go back and try to answer the ones that weren't. Um, but we're going to end here. I'm actually going to push one more final poll to get your opinions on how you're improving TCM outcomes for your population so that maybe someone can learn from something you're doing. But um, I want to ask uh, uh, Jake, Michelle, and Andrea, what's the one thing? Like, what's that low-hanging fruit, the one thing that people need to do in the next three months that can help them move their TCM programs along. Um, Jake, I'm gonna start with you. Funny, I always look at these programs a year afterwards to try and do an ROI analysis. So it's a little different for me, but my thought, my head always goes to provider engagement and provider incentivization. So if you can just get information in front of your providers around the value of these programs, both for the patients, but for them, about how you're going to build that extra bond between the patient provider, drive extra visits, drive extra revenue. Uh, that's my thought. Sharing that information will hopefully uh, help some providers open up those slots. Andrea, what about you? He just said it better. I was I wrote down quickly, like, look at that data, have those conversations, think about your providers. I think immediately, um, and Michelle made this great point through this entire webinar, they need our support, they need that help. So if we can look at the data and identify where that is quickly, um, I think that that would be a huge value add and low hanging fruit for those folks that are in, in real need. Yeah. And Michelle? Yeah, and you know, stole my answer. So, you know, but I think the finishing touch really is, would be to be able to show that provider who is so worried about the increased work to be able to show them that it it does improve their revenue. It, it will decrease their downstream costs. Um, so there, it is a win-win-win benefit. Uh, win for the patient, win for the provider, win for the network. And so to be able to just you know, button that up and show that to the providers and get their buy-in, that's, that's the key. What an insightful and interesting discussion. Thank you so much, Andrea, Michelle, Jake, for sharing your personal experiences and your insights. And thank all of you for listening in. If you go to arcadia.io slash vitals, you'll be able to see additional resources in the show notes. Uh, watch the live recording of this session and sign up for live recordings of future sessions so that you can participate in the discussion uh, as well as listen in to past discussions that we've had. Um, go to arcadia.io slash vitals to get access to all of that and more. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.